Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Is the Young Bucks' last match in Ring of Honor taking place at Final Battle? We will discuss this big pay-per-view with rumors swirling about Cody and the Bucks' new venture. The Bucks also made their intentions known for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team title at the World Tag League Finals. We will break down that and several other big headlines from that show. And the final WWE pay-per-view of the year, Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, is this weekend. We will highlight what we're looking forward to and get the betting odds from Rafael Esparza on some of the bigger matches. We're back, and so is our pop and wrestling connection, featuring the holiday classic, Home Alone. And you can keep the change, you filthy animals, next. WrestlingInc.com brings you Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Oh my gosh, we're back again. We are back. <laughs> it's Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. Did you miss us? I hope you did. <laughs> I hope you did, too. Judging by Twitter's uh, feedback, you guys did seem to miss us. You didn't forget about us after our brief hiatus. Yeah, you know, things just got really hectic with Paul and really more my work schedule, working all those days a week, seven days basically, plus the podcast. So had to take a little break just to get all the work done. But I really appreciate you guys sticking with us. And if you're listening or viewing right now, you know, giving us another chance, and we're back in the saddle and ready to go. Well, and we, you know, we didn't want what we did on the podcast to suffer, and we felt like it was better to take a step away because it was getting too hard to watch all that we want to cover because we do cover everything, yeah, or most everything. And so we, you know, we just didn't have the time with you working seven days a week, me traveling. Uh, it just needed a little breather and. Uh, you know, there's a reason that we were recognized for being one of the most informative podcasts, which maybe you want to tell everybody about, that uh, while we were away, we were uh, recognized for the work we're doing, and we're very proud of it. Yeah, with the Wrestling Podcasting Awards, we came in fifth for Best Duo, so I guess we're doing something right. I guess so. <laughs> I guess people can stand us together. I guess so. <laughs> and um, we also came in second for Most Informative Podcast, as you alluded to just a second ago. So pretty proud about that. Thanks, guys, for voting for us if you did, because, man, it sure means a lot. I mean, I know it means a lot to Paul and especially to me. We work so hard, and um, a lot of you guys have sent us messages saying that you can tell how hard we work, and, you know, that really is super meaningful for me because all the work's worth it if you can tell that we're actually putting in the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so uh, thanks for voting for us. It was uh, really nice because we were certainly uh, contending, if you want to say it, with some of the big boys in the wrestling podcast business. So uh, for you guys to recognize us, we appreciate it. It's such an honor, yeah. And uh, we want to recognize uh, St. Arnold Brewing for uh, supporting the program and uh, continuing to do so. Great time of the year. The St. Arnold Christmas Ale is out. 
In fact, I'm looking to buy some uh, for later for for uh, chilling on a cool night with a nice warm St. Arnold Christmas ale. Yeah. Uh, that will be delicious. Ho, ho, ho. It might taste good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, why don't you tell everyone about our social media in case uh, they don't remember? Yep, you can find us on Twitter at Two Face Pod, T W O F A C E D P O D. Go to twofacepod.com. There's a tab, Find the Pod, and that's all the platform links you could, you know, find where to listen to us. Also, it's got a link to Wrestling Inc.'s YouTube, which is where you can watch us if you'd rather you know see us (laughs) physically then there there is your source for all the different ways to do that and we hope you'll uh, join us on a regular basis as we're back in business and we're going to start with a big weekend of uh, wrestling ahead of us it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows news and developments it's time for headlines We're going to start with Friday night's Ring of Honor pay-per-view, the final pay-per-view of the year for Ring of Honor. It's final battle, and uh, they've already said this is going to be a four-hour pay-per-view as opposed to try and crunch everything into three hours. Uh, The card looks amazing. This is going to be a great show. Where do you want to start? Oh, man. There's so many matches that I'm looking forward to at Final Battle. And this is really Ring of Honor's biggest pay-per-view of the year, usually. And there's been so many moments in uh, past Final Battle, you know, pay-per-views that I've loved. I mean, there's been some great Briscoe highlights. In fact, I went back and watched a Bucks versus Briscoes match from a previous final battle, and I love it. And speaking of the Briscoes and the Bucks, they are two out of the three teams that are involved in another Ladder Wars match. The third team being SCU, Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian. And I think that this is going to be a really great match. And if you're not really sure, you know, what the story is going to the match, I feel like ROH is doing this series called The Pinnacle. And it's the same people behind NWA's 10 Pounds of Gold, so it's kind of got the same feel as those videos. And there's this amazing promo by the Briscoes <laughs> where he's talking about, uh, one, Mark Briscoe's just amazing as usual. Like, yeah, we've been there since the beginning. I can't even do it justice. It's just amazing in, in the promo in this Pinnacle video. But also then um, Jay Briscoe comes in and he says, you know, these clowns, it's like being at the circus. The clowns are entertaining for a while, but after a while they're out there too long and you want to send in the animals. And we're going to prove at Final Battle while we're the animals. And we're going to take home, you know, the gold. And I actually hope that the Briscoes win. I really do. I'd love to see that happen. Well, it it, it is interesting in that uh, clearly the clowns is he, he's referring to the, the young, young bucks. bucks. Yeah. yeah, they so showed the videos shot there. of the young bucks. So, uh, no, the promo, you, you owe it to yourself if you haven't seen it. To Make sure you watch it before Friday night's pay-per-view. Uh, it's really funny, and and the Briscoes are so good, and they are so awesome at promos. Um, I think they're really underrated at promos, actually. Yeah. Like, no one ever talks about no. them as great promos, but what's cool is they'll just be, it seems like they're just, you know, spitballing, and, but going it, off th- the cuff. But it also feels like it's them. It's real, yeah. you know? So I, I, I love it. You know, and, and maybe it's like people don't think that they're smart promos because they don't sound smart. You know what I mean? But it's but, so them. But it is so them, and yeah. it is smart, and it is. I mean, come on, that analogy, the clowns and the animals, is awesome. I would have never thought of that. Yeah. And it, I mean, if, if 
people might think it's offensive that they're calling the Young Bucks clowns. The way he was first saying it wasn't even offensive. He's like, yeah, the clowns are fun to watch at first. <laughs> Meaning, like, you know, the Bucks are high-flying and entertaining. They've got a lot of flash, like a clown right. would in a, in a circus act. But when the animals come out, like, that's something, like, violent and ferocious. And I think that's what the Briscoes were alluding to by that comparison and stuff and that analogy. And the funny thing is, just no one ever gives them their due props. And I almost, this is going to shock a lot of people. I gotta say, I think my favorite tag team right now is not the Young Bucks, but it's the Briscoes. The last few months, I've been feeling that more and more. After the Chris Jericho cruise, I had some like one-on-one experiences with the Briscoes. They were on my flight back. Um, well, kind of. I was going somewhere else on the way back to right. Nola. They were on my flight. Really nice guys, and uh, they just were hilarious on the cruise on Colt Cabana's podcast. They were telling funny stories. Just And then they had some of the best matches on the cruise as well. So they always deliver, and they've been in Ring of Honor since the beginning. And if you watch the pinnacle on YouTube, Ring of Honor's YouTube, it's episode two. It really highlights the Briscoes, and that's where the promo is. Well, and of course there's a whole underlying storyline of not only, I mean, this is one of the central matches about it, but the Young Bucks, Cody... It's being rumored that they're going to start a new promotion called All Elite Wrestling mm-hmm. uh, with the backing of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars owner, who is a very wealthy man, also owns uh, Fulham Football Club in uh, England's uh, championship division of uh, soccer. And so, you know, I think everybody's assuming that this is going to be the swan song for the Young Bucks, which, you know, means they're probably going to put on an epic match. Yeah, um, they always really excel in ladder matches. Right. Like, one of my favorite Bucks matches ever, ever, is um, Ladder War 6, where it was the addiction. So we're not right. talking, we're right. talking Frankie Daniels and, and Daniels. Kazarian. Yep. Um, and then it was most uh, machine and, yeah. guns and the Bucks. Yep. And it was like an all-out brawl. Right. I mean, Daniels, that was almost like the start of his face turn. It was right before he won the Ring of Honor Championship, mm-hmm. and the crowd was so behind him because he gave his whole body in that match. But the Bucks did too. Like, the Bucks did crazy stuff. And if you remember our other favorite match, one of our favorite ones we've ever seen live, the Bucks versus the Hardys. Mm-hmm. Now, that wasn't a ladder war match, nope. technically, nope. but it was a ladder match, nonetheless, and it was amazing. Well, so they excel in that type of match. And we saw a ladder war at Supercard of Honor uh, as well. Yeah, the one in New Orleans, yeah, yes. Yeah, with uh, Flip Gordon, and that was a, a six-man tag. Yes, it was. So, uh, very much looking forward to that, but let's while we're on the subject, let's talk about this all elite wrestling. Uh, a friend of ours... As we're coming into the airport today, Ryan, Ryan yeah. says, what do you think about the All Elite Wrestling? He recognized Kelsey, of course, and said, what do you think about the All Elite Wrestling? And his exact line was, finally some competition for WWE. There's a lot of back and forth on the word competition about this. It's popped up here and there. A lot of people, including our fellow podcasting friends, like I know our good friend Smart to Death, they have said this. They said, you know, not necessarily competition. This promotion is more... It would be like an alternative for hardcore fans um, who are already frustrated with WWE. Right. And I tend to almost agree with that in a way because I think WWE is so big at this point that it's not really competition. But it could be competition if they somehow sway people who are a part of WWE now mm-hmm. to come over when their contracts are up. Now, this might be years away from happening. Right. I don't even know. And all of this is pure speculation. Who knows what's really going to happen? That's one of the great things about wrestling. You could just speculate till the end of time and you could still be wrong or still not have thought of something that ended up happening. 
in you know at the end. Well, well, what I think I'm going to take the other perspective on it too is uh, I'm more look. I don't think as as great as it's going to be, it's not going to it's not going to be true competition for the WWE. They're always going to be the behemoth. What I'm worried about is what it's going to do to Ring of Honor. Like if Adam Page, if uh, Cody, if the Young Bucks, if this is all kind of the end, this final battle. I, I don't know what Ring of Honor is going to do. I mean, they're, that's a huge swath of talent that's going away. Now, granted, they've signed Jeff Cobb, who we'll talk about. They've made some signings. But, boy, they lose those four guys, and that's that's a big hit to Ring of Honor. It's a big hit of what they've been basing their storytelling around for, like, a couple of years now. Right. I mean, really, Ring of Honor has been breaking attendance records, and it's kind of going along a parallel path to the rise of being the elite. It's almost like they were going hand in hand. But let's, like, think about Ring of Honor's history. They've dealt with people leaving Mm -hmm. before, like pillars of the company. You know, Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan, Mm -hmm. CM Punk, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, all these huge names that left. Nigel McGuinness. Yeah, yeah. So they have dealt with that before and been okay. But again, for a really long time, they've, you know, been good at developing new talent. And I know they've got some new signings, but do they have a level of talent that could s- sustain them? It's going to keep the eyeballs. That's the thing. Right. They may have great wrestlers, but is it going to be enough to, like, the next uh, Supercard of Honor, you know, obviously is at Madison Square Garden, and that's a, a new Japan. With and new that Japan. would fall into after the Bucks and Cody's contracts expire. Right. So, that's quite interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I'm very interested in seeing how all this is going to shape out. Um you know, and it, it affects other matches on the card, and we can we can talk about it. You, you, we mentioned Hangman Page versus Jeff Cobb. This is another one of the matches that's jumping out to us. Well, before we get into that, like, let me quickly, before we move on, I just want to throw this out because I just thought of it. So, you know, everyone's speculating, like, they're going to start a new promotion and be totally cut off from Ring of Honor completely. Right. I haven't seen a lot of speculation of people saying, well, what if they partnered with Ring of Honor like New Japan does? Right. What if they keep a part, they create their own promotion, but they still keep a partnership with Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling? There's not a lot of talk that I've seen about that. No. And, and that just came to me. No. That could be kind of cool because I think to myself. Because then they could also partner with Impact maybe too. And, maybe you know, so. Maybe kind of what we saw in the Jericho Cruise, a little meddling Even in stuff. All In, yeah. we kind of yeah. saw all yeah. that. All the promotions working together with the Bucks because they know how important the Bucks kind of are to kind of crossover appeal and because they've got a really big crossover appeal mm-hmm. with their hot topic deal etc etc but um i just i don't know why more people aren't kind of speculating in that direction because i think the bucks and cody know how much ring of honor kind of did for them with all right. in and i don't they think could have broached their contracts but uh ring of honor let them do that basically right i can't see them Turning their backs completely, right, and crippling Ring of Honor. So I agree with you. I I think I think this may be their last, you know, under contract. You know, all these guys with Ring of Honor. I I'm in complete agreement with you. I think they're going to work together with Ring of Honor because, like you said, they know what Ring of Honor has meant. And you know, I don't think there's any sort of. I mean, we don't know, but I don't suppose I don't think there's any sort of backstage. You know they're they're revolting against Ring of Honor. They hate Ring of Honor. And, no, because you know, they've done a lot for them. Right. So I, I don't think they would turn around and turn their backs on Ring of Honor and completely try to put them out of business. Well, we'll just have to see. Because I mean, Joe Coff basically said he didn't think they'd be in Ring of Honor. But you know, I think things are still up in the air. 
Um, so we'll have to see how the technicalities play out, and that's the important word here, <laughs> technicalities, because I'm sure there'll be a lot of them going forward. But let's get back to what you were going with about Jeff Cobb. Well, I think he's going to have a great yeah. match against Hangman Page. And uh, Jeff Cobb's one of those newer stars that they're going to have to start relying on mm-hmm. if the Bucks and Page and Cody do leave. But uh, regardless... It's going to be a great match because Jeff Cobb is going to be um, defending his title for the first time. And, of course, he's going to want to have an amazing match. He's a great athlete. I think that's going to be kind of like uh, an underrated match that could steal the show. Mm -hmm. Not be the best show, but it might be really high up there. Because Hangman, if it is his last show with Ring of Honor, I think he's going to want to really pull out all the stops. I agree. I agree. And he's he's done some crazy stuff on pay-per-views as it is. So. Even at the Hammerstein. I think that's where he jumped off the balcony. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And that was insane. You right. remember that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was scary. Um, that was really, really cool. So what's he going to jump off this time? I don't know if you can get much higher than what he did last time. Well, I know the other match you're really looking forward to is uh, Marty Skrull versus Christopher Daniels. Yeah, everyone kind of downplays Christopher Daniels, but, I mean, not in ring, but no one ever talks about him as one of the great promos, kind of like the Briscoes, mm-hmm. like we were just talking about. But Daniels consistently always surprises me with his really passionate and heartfelt promos. He had one a couple of years ago, right before, you know, he had that world that Ring of Honor World Championship match against Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And he said how much he needed to win. You know, how much he needed it to happen. And uh, he apologized for what he was going to have to do, et cetera, et cetera. And he cried. Right. Again, building up to this Marty Scroll match in that Pinnacle YouTube series on Ring of Honor's YouTube channel, more great Christopher Daniels sound bites, kind of like a promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, just everything about it is good. And yeah, you might not be thinking it would be the best match on the card, but I think it is going to be a really good match to look out for. Well, and along the lines of what we've already talked about, his contract is rumored to be up. Yeah. So he could be on his way to uh, All Elite All wrestling. Elite Wrestling as well. So, Or maybe just retiring, which yeah. they're kind of teasing too. Right. Um, so there's kind of some drama there, but um, I also kind of want to talk about there's all these last matches possibly in Ring of Honor, but somebody's kind of first match with Ring of Honor, Zack Sabre Jr. And what a great match to have against Jonathan Gresham. Two kind of mat-based wrestlers-wrestlers. Submission. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's, it's kind of an off-the-radar match. I don't think anybody's zeroing in on it. But I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. I think it's going to be one of the best matches. And people are not going to think that. Yes, it's not high-flying, but I don't think it's going to matter. It's going to be great. And with this heel, Zack Sabre Jr., that's going to give the pizzazz to the match. Not high-flying. You know, not crazy moves. So I'm really looking forward to that. That might be, like, in my top three that I'm looking forward to. Because I just love Zack Sabre right now. And finally, uh, the the title match, Jay Lethal versus Cody. Uh, this is the... You know, the franchise basically going against Cody, and they've had some great promos as well. Again, the Pinnacle series kind of highlighted both of their sides of the story going into the match. It really has built in layers, and I've liked what they've done because they have had some singles matches, but this one feels a lot different. Cody criticizing Lethal for always being like, you know, the franchise and almost like making fun of them in a way, whereas, um, Lethal's kind of saying, like, Cody, of course, has a problem understanding this because he has no loyalty to any company or to anyone. Kind of a subtle dig to how we might be leaving, like we've been talking right. about 
this whole first segment. So I think that's kind of interesting, and they've had some great interview bites, really passionate stuff. I love how Lethal's coming off. Like, he is so, you know, invested in Ring of Honor. And really, every time I've ever, you know, talked to him or interviewed him, he really comes off like that's how he truly feels. Well, and they, the company. They've squared off in the past. We saw the uh, bull rope match at the Supercard of Honor in Lakeland, which was a good match. And and so let's hope they can uh, do even better than that. Well, let me just be critical for one second. Because sure. people might be like, oh, you're so pro-ROH <laughs> and stuff, and you're never critical. But I am critical. So I love Cody Rhodes. I love his character work. And I really do think he can have some great singles matches, especially when there's a story behind it. Like the this match might be one of my favorite matches of 2018 because it had such an emotional story arc to it and everything but um you referenced the supercard of honor match against lethal with you know the bull rope or whatever i um the match was great but when we rewatched it there's some really awkward parts Mm -hmm. and there were some awkward parts in other cody singles matches this happens every now and then and i've been critical of him blading Mm -hmm. yep and I have a feeling we could see that again. Uh, yeah, I I'm think... sure we, we will. So I just think he blades a little too much. And I know it's kind of like a tribute to Dusty because Dusty did that. Uh, he wore the crimson mask quite a lot. And, yeah, that's kind of like an old school feel. But I feel like there is a point where you don't need it and it becomes too much. So I don't want to see a lot of blading or any. I would like it if there's none. We'll see. Whatever. Um, and I hope that Cody, you know is on his A-game, kind of. I hope there's no awkward, like, fumbling under the ring for a blade. We'll see. Well, that is coming up uh, this weekend, but let's shift our attention to what happened last weekend. And it's the World Tag League Finals, and uh, it was a great show, but there was actually some uh, stuff leading up to the World Tag League Finals that uh, we wanted to talk about because we've been away. We have been away, and um, our good friend Amy, who is really a loyal listener to the podcast, we love you, Amy, she told me, you know, to check out this Suzuki match, and I really, really enjoyed it. It was Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. versus Suzuki and Iska, and it was awesome. And what I think was awesome was it almost felt like a singles match, even though it was a multi-man right, like right. tag match. I thought... It really was great to see Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. square off because they're actually, like, tag team champs in Rev Pro. Right. So to see them go against each other was incredible. And let me just say this. The perfect thing to get me back into wrestling after not having watched for weeks is watching a Suzuki match and being like, man, I love Suzuki. Just everything that is wonderful about pro wrestling is represented by Suzuki. Just great in-ring work, great character work, just Everything about him, the evil laugh, the entrance, I just love every bit of Suzuki. Um, so that was quite a joy to watch that match, and, and, I, well, and I thought it was cool. It's certainly setting up. I don't know if there's going to be a fracturing of that faction at some point, but obviously a Suzuki-Zack Sabre Jr. match is on the horizon at some point. It won't be at Wrestle Kingdom. It could be, though. Like That's how good of a match it could be. Yeah, but Zack Sabre Jr. has already got Ishii. No, I'm, I'm oh. not saying it will be. Oh. I'm saying it's worthy of that Oh, yeah, caliber. absolutely, absolutely. And then at the end, you know, Su- Suzuki brought everybody back together and fist-bumped them all, and everybody was cool. So. I think it's important to note that Suzuki initiated the uh-huh. fist-bump, and yep. even I think it was either Kevin Kelly or Excalibur mentioned that on commentary as well, because I think that's kind of important because Suzuki's just thrown people from his own faction to the side before, but obviously he really respects Zack Sabre Jr., and I like how they kind of kept that as a theme at the end. And as we transition into the World Tag League Finals, obviously Suzuki wasn't in it. But you brought up a good point in one of those early matches 
uh, we're Bamalti. talking about December night. Yeah, 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 the final night, and uh, what what he brings, even when he's not in one of the big matches. I basically said like Suzuki alone, just his involvement makes like a multi-man match with tons of people worth watching. Just like his shenanigans, like throwing the barricades on people. Like I love anything involving him because he just brings a natural villain feel and he kind of brings like some fun creative spots in a match whether it's just throwing somebody on some chairs and remember he tried to do a gotch pal driver on some chairs yeah i can't was, remember yeah, if that, it was in this match no, or the that was other in one. that was in the one with zach saber jr yeah. how did the chairs like not collapse because <laughs> they look so flimsy yep. That yep. was insane. So, yeah, that wasn't December 9th, but I forgot about that yeah. spot. No, it so was. Crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. Also, let me uh, segue, not a match per se, but the uh, commentary, Excalibur mm-hmm. doing some New Japan commentary with Kevin Kelly. Love them together. I thought they had a great chemistry. And we noted, you know, back at All In, because Excalibur was a part of that commentary right. team as well, he's so good at jumping in like kind of doing play-by-play, mm-hmm. but not overstepping or nope. talking over Kevin Kelly or, at the time, during All In, Ian Riccoboni. He didn't do that to either one of them in either shows. No, it's really incredible how he folds into a broadcast seamlessly. He's really good because, you know, obviously on PWG, he's kind of the lead. Sometimes he's by himself on yeah. some of those matches. Uh, so for him to not step and don't forget rocky was there too and note that there was no stepping all over each other it was really well done it really really was and uh, i'm not really a fan of the three-man no. booth and no. i know you're not either no. um but rocky barely said anything <laughs> so he was kind of not there as much as excalibur and kevin kelly but got to give props to excalibur because i'd love to see him do more new japan commentary and a uh, weird side note he's got like a voice that sounds like don Callis <laughs> at some points Yep. It's weird. Yep. Like a more serious Don Callis, of course. Uh, it's funny, though, because Excalibur is no stranger to being actually quite silly on PWG commentary. But here we got to see a nice, serious, really professional side of Excalibur, and he thrived in that role. Well, before we get to the World Tag League final, there were a couple significant singles matches. And unfortunately, I had heard the results beforehand, but this is a credit to how much I like these guys, that I wanted to b- watch both these matches regardless. But we'll start with Osprey and Tai Chi. And, gosh, Osprey, we say it all the time. I know we're, like, beating a, beating a dead horse here. But he is so amazing. And I think the testament to how good he is is Tai Chi is certainly not one of our favorites. No, we always say, get out of here, Tai Chi, when he comes on the screen. <laughs> I would contend that was one of the best Tai Chi matches I've I've seen. No, it was. And uh, a lot of it really, though, is a testament to Osprey's great selling. Right. Really made Tai Chi seem like more dangerous. Like what he was doing was really like effective and stuff. So Osprey was just selling left and right. Like he always does. I always say, I know, again, like you just said, beating a dead horse, but he's really one of the top probably three sellers in the world of wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredible. And I and think it's the- never over the top either. It's, it doesn't feel like fake even when he screams it feels believable and i don't know why like what is that fine line of not being too over the top and uh almost like ridiculous like somebody who i think is way over the top is a velveteen dream Mm -hmm. sometimes he just is flopping all over (laughs) no osprey could be like that but he just walks a fine line uh someone who's really good at selling i think who's in the same class 
as Osprey's AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. So that's good company to be in right yep. there. Um, I still think Osprey's almost even better at selling than even AJ. To me, I mean, Osprey, Suzuki's my number one, but Osprey's just behind him at number two of my favorite wrestlers ever. One of my favorite moments in the match is Osprey yells at Tai Chi, come on, MFR. And Tai Chi responds by just kicking him. So you're like, okay, yeah, I'll okay, kick you. here yeah. I come. Uh, so th- I really thought that was a great match. We didn't mention that it was four. It was the number one contenders match for the Never Open Weight Title mm-hmm. and a chance to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom. Osprey gets the victory there. Terrific match. So then he would face the winner of uh, Goto and and Ibushi. Now let's make a note about this because we were thinking this was going to be an awesome match. Right. Goto's had great matches, and of course your boy. <laughs> yeah. Abushi. Yeah. I mean, he's had amazing matches with all kinds of people. So, to our surprise, this wasn't really our favorite match of the night. No, it was. I mean, it was good. Obviously, it was really good, but it just wasn't great. It wasn't I liked the Osprey match better. Oh, much. Yeah. yeah. Which is funny again because Tai, tai Chi was, was involved. In it. Yeah. yeah so, uh, good match, not great. Uh, the Kota Abushi when he takes the lariat on the apron and lands on the back of his head. I'm like, I mean, I know they're professionals, but man. That that looks dangerous. It did look dangerous. And let me um kind of go back and address what we said about the match not being our favorite. Like you said, it was good, but I don't think the reason it wasn't the greatest because people might blame it on Goto. No, no, because he's not yeah. like a very prominent person. But no, Goto's had amazing matches. Like look back at Wrestle Kingdom where he wrestled Suzuki in that hair versus right. hair match. That's one of my favorite matches of the whole year. Right. That match was so passionate and emotional and really, really well done and hard-hitting. So it's not Goto. He's had great matches. I think it just felt like they didn't do as much as they could have. I don't I th- know why, yeah. I, it felt, not that they were limited, and maybe maybe they were. I don't know. But it just felt like they didn't do everything that we know they can do. So that's why I was kind of let down by the match. And I don't know what it is, but it almost feel like, even though there was consequence to the match... It almost felt like there wasn't. Right. Because it was for a title, which is what was odd. But, like, going in, they, it just... Well, me, I know probably why I feel that way. Because Abushi, to me, I don't emotionally connect with him. I never feel like he's, like, I want this title. Like, he's emotionally invested in what he's doing. Maybe that's why I feel that way. But I don't know why you do, because you love Abushi. <laughs> so, I don't know. Well, Abushi does get the title. And so, it sets up Wrestle Kingdom 13. Which this I'm, might be the best match yeah, of the card I, for I'm, me. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. You took the words right out of my mouth. Sorry. I, there's no – I mean, look, Kenny's on the card. You know, there's – and we'll obviously in, in a couple weeks get into all of Wrestle Kingdom. To me, this is going to be the match because think of the matches just in the last year Osprey has had. The the one against Marty Skrull, which was incredible. Oh, my God. That you one know. was so hard-hitting. Oh. Then you look at, uh, during G1 Climax, Kota Ibushi against Ishii. You know, unbelievable match. Uh, the match against Tanahashi. Uh, the match against Kenny Omega. So you put these two in the ring together, I, it's going to be, or it's going to be, in my mind, on January 4th, we're going to be talking about this. this is going to be a match of the year contender. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it's not going to be highly rated. It's going to be amazing. Two of the best high flyers, like, ever in the world. Like, whoa. And the cool thing is there's so many Osprey moments to look forward to <laughs> because he's also wrestling Neville in Rev Pro, I believe. I think it's Rev Pro. And it's going to be incredible. And, again, two of the best high flyers in the world going at it. And, oh, it's going to be an exciting few months for great matches. Well, speaking of Wrestle Kingdom 13, we've got a uh, – a tag team match set after the World Tag League Finals. It was G.O.D. 
versus Sonata and Evil. Sonata and Evil looking for the repeat. And uh, I thought this was... The crowd is really, first of all, into evil. They love evil. Yeah, I mean, his gimmick's really cool. I love evil as well. Um, it's funny. You always compare him to Rob Van Dam because he looks like him so well, much. The, the tights, the hair, yeah. All yeah, he really, really does, especially, you know, his gear. But I just love the way he wrestles. I think he's consistent. I like his gimmick. I like him too. Uh, the magic killer they hit, and the crowd thought it was going to be the end. And Tama kicks out, and then... That was awesome. We were like, oh! Yeah, no, I, like, I literally thought that was going to be the end of the match. And then when Tama kicks out, I think, oh, G.O.D.'s going to end up winning. But the, the, the hit Darkness falls, and Sonata hits the Moonsault. And so Evil and Sonata win back-to-back World Tag League uh, titles, which is pretty cool. And that sets them up for a title match against G.O.D., at Wrestle Kingdom. And, but then the Bucks come out yeah, and they insert themselves into the mix. Right. So for now, Wrestle Kingdom. So now uh, it'll be a, a triple threat, which I think is going to be uh, another one of those incredible matches I at Wrestle too. Kingdom 13. I love everybody involved. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that one quite a bit. So let's uh, shift to uh, WWE now. And uh, this weekend, Do we have to? <laughs> I'm oh. sorry. Oh, it, it didn't take y'all long. can y'all, y'all can uh, at me if you want. That's it fine. didn't take long get, for Kelsey to get right back into her her disdain for WWE. Oh. I will say I watched the last WWE pay per view, and then I right. didn't watch wrestling for weeks after that. Well, I don't know. I, I will say it. Uh, you know, I, I'm actually going to reference something from Raw, and not much beyond that from the weekly TV. But it's funny you said that because on Monday Night Raw, Seth Rollins had a promo at the beginning of the show, and it was supposed to be a shot at Corbin, but it felt to me a lot like, I don't know if people are saying it this way too, it felt like a CM Punk kind Mm -hmm. of promo because it was very steeped in realism. He talked about, under your watch, Corbin, we've got some of the lowest ratings the company's ever had on TV. So he he pulled out actual things, and then he brought up a stat that I would, I mean, we know he's not on Raw wrestling very often, but he said Brock Lesnar hasn't wrestled in a match on Raw since 2002. And you confirmed that's I have, true? I have not confirmed that, so I'd have to go back and look and see. Because I thought they touted that he did, or maybe that was when he was on SmackDown once. And they're like, he's back yeah. on SmackDown. Maybe and that I, wasn't Raw. Yeah, so and know. I thought he had had, I thought even going back leading up to the Goldberg thing, I thought he had had a match. But, At least one, but, I thought. Uh, but regardless, the Seth Rollins promo was... Steeped in realism. Yeah, yeah, and and kind of taking a shot at the WWE product. He talked about how they're not using their talent, which we know. So uh, I thought, that, and I, that's going to lead me to uh, something a little later in the show when we close out the show. Well, let me just mention quickly that, you know, although he is right, because a lot of people are reporting, including Wrestling, Wrestling Inc., that Raw this past week was the lowest rated Raw, like of all time. And it was the lowest rated, you know, uh, second hour, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, ratings are falling everywhere. Well, yeah. Across TV. Yeah, of course. TV is a changing landscape. You and I know we're in TV. Yeah, exactly. So we're very much exactly. aware of this terrible factor. But you're kind of safe. I mean, sports, that's always going to be around in some way, yeah. shape, or form. Maybe not on cable as we know it now, but it will be around forever in one way, shape, or form. But, yeah, um, I don't know... How much emphasis we as wrestling fans should place on these ratings and how they're falling? Because it's just not the same as it was in the 90s. I mean, of course, wrestling's not as popular as it was then. 
but the TV landscape as a whole is not the same, period. It's hard to compare. Well, let's let's jump ahead and uh, this weekend's Tables, Ladders, and Chairs, which is always kind of an entertaining pay-per-view, a lot of gimmick matches, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rafael Sparza from mybookie.ag uh, gave us a bunch of prop bets and odds. Um, and remember to start up an account with mybookie.ag, use the promo code KICKIT, and you can benefit us and get an account going. And, hey, college bowl season's coming up. You can bet on the games. Uh, obviously, the NFL playoffs are right around the corner. And, of course, the Super Bowl with a million prop bets. So. And uh, Raphael does all kinds of cool entertainment odds as well. Yep. So you could find all of his entertainment stuff on mybookie.ag. And soon he'll be starting a podcast, and I might be uh, a guest every now and then, all about entertainment betting. Yeah. That should be really interesting. He just had a great XFL prop bet, too, uh, that he released on uh, whether – who who would be drafted in the XFL. Uh, so definitely check that out. But he also obviously does the wrestling uh, odds. And we'll talk about the uh, four like signature matches, I okay. think, from TLC. Uh, the Raw Intercontinental Championship, Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose. He's got Dean Ambrose at minus 160, so he thinks Dean Ambrose is going to win that match against Seth Rollins. We've seen them go against each other before. Not in a while. No. Not in a while. But they've had some good matches in the past. Oh, yeah. But I know you, kind of like what you said about Cody, is something you feel about Dean Ambrose sometimes. I feel like he can get really sloppy in the ring, yeah. I mean, I feel like sometimes he cuts corners. Now, since he's been back from injury, I feel like he's kind of hot right now. Like, people are really behind him. Um, And I think he's been sharper just because he's been away. So, I I don't know... it just depends on how invested Dean Ambrose is into the match. And I think he's kind of like fresh right now. So I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be a decent match. I do kind of lean towards Raphael's thinking. I think Dean Ambrose is going to win. Um, I don't know. Well, we do know Seth Rollins always brings it. So uh, oh, yeah, should be an entertaining match. What do you think about Dean Ambrose's character change and stuff? You think it's weird? <laughs> It kind of seems like Bane a little bit yeah, from it's, Batman. It is a little weird. Um, his whole thing about getting injected against Rollins and the people when he was getting the shots in the doctor's office. Yeah. <laughs> All kind of a weird thing, but, you know. Do you think it's working, like, what he's doing? I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if it's going to make him truly a heel. I, I, I it's kind of odd. It, yeah. It's, I don't know. It. They built it up that he was going to turn. So that part wasn't a surprise when it not. happened. Yeah. I just don't know if I feel the reason he's, you know. Yeah. So That's I don't a good know. point. I like that statement. I, yeah, I'm not, I I'm not enunciating exactly how I want it. But, yeah, I'm not. You're I, not believing yeah, well, the reason why well, he's like this. And I'm going to say that again in about two minutes when we talk about one of the other matches. Okay. Uh, but, uh, I, look, Seth Rollins always brings it. I'm hoping it's going to be as good as uh, I think they. I think they were in a Hell in a Cell. I think it was either a steel cage or a Hell in a Cell. But they had a great match in the past, so hopefully. Oh, it was. Yes, I do remember that. Ho- that was an amazing match where they were both outside the cage and they were beating each other, yes. and they both fell through the table. Yes. And it was one of those ones where they actually fell through the table and didn't spend two minutes beforehand looking down at the table. That was, like, soon <laughs> after, like, you know, they had this great rivalry, and it was kind of after Seth Rollins betrayed the Shield right, and right. stuff. And that was some great storylines for a while there. I think that was back in, what, 2015, 2016 or something? Maybe even earlier, I don't know. But it was good stuff. Uh, the other big one on the Raw side, the Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey, he's got as a decided favorite, minus 1,000 against Nia Jax. 
They had a great match before Alexa Bliss cashed in Money in the Bank. Uh, so, I, I mean, that was... Remember, they let Nia Jax kind of ragdoll Ronda Rousey around. So I think this could be a good match again. Now, we didn't have a podcast after the last pay-per-view, but I will say this. I loved that Rousey match against Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I loved it. it was. Like, everyone was going on and on about Becky and Charlotte. I loved it so much more with Ronda. And she got so much hate. Like, I just want to touch on this because we didn't get to give our two cents when it happened. Like... Ronda got so much hate from the audience, and it wasn't, like, no respect at all. Right. And she took, like, all that beating to the body and stuff. Like, I respect that. I don't know why everyone's like, oh, she just got everything handed to her, and she's horrible. And I really loved that match. That was an amazing match. No, I think, you know, she has proven her worth in WWE. I I, I mean. I'm not with the haters. No, no. I, I Look. I, I'm a fan of Charlotte. I'm a fan of Becky Lynch. And this uh, tables, liars, and chairs match, which I think is obviously it's a first for the women's division, I think it's going to be a really great match. If Charlotte brings what she did against Ronda Rousey, Asuka being inserted, I think making it a triple threat adds to it a lot too. Oh, yeah. It gives it some kind of you know, variety mm-hmm. from what had been going on between Becky and Charlotte for a while. Uh, Asuka needs something. Yep. I want Asuka to be prominent again. I she do too. has fallen behind so much in the division. Uh, and sometimes she feels like a joke where she was really a, like a threat before. So just come on, Asuka. I want her to, as a character to be built back up again. Uh, really, really bad. Well, and I think, um, obviously know, I don't think she's going to win here. Look, so. and, and neither does Raphael. He's no, got yeah. her at the longest odds at plus 225. He's got Charlotte actually as the favorite at plus 105. Becky Lynch at plus 165. I think they love the Charlotte versus Ronda and they still want the Becky versus Ronda. So I think one of those combinations is going to happen at WrestleMania. So you don't think it could be like a like a triple threat? I I, I don't Between know. The three of them? I don't know what's going to happen there. I think it could be a triple threat. I mean, we're looking down the road, but I'm thinking if Charlotte or Becky doesn't have the belt, mm-hmm. saying Oscar wins it here, I think one of those two goes on and wins the women's Royal Rumble and challenges Ronda Rousey. Yeah. So I, I again, I'm going way down the road here, but. So it wouldn't shock me if Asuka wins because it would open the door for one of the other two to win the Royal Rumble next month and then challenge Ronda Rousey. Oh, you're right. I'm totally forgetting about brands and stuff when I say a triple threat. But somehow in some world, (laughs) I think that could be like a really cool match. Yeah. No, it it would. It'd be awesome. Uh, Finally, SmackDown WWE Championship. Back to uh, forced heel turns. This new Daniel Bryan. Some people like it. Uh, I've read. Well, I... Because it's unique. I will say I like it a little better in the last couple weeks because he's he's going into his full-on earthy, you know, you people are all destroying the environment. He beat up Mustafa Ali because Mustafa Ali owns an SUV. Yeah. You know, so it's a little better. But when they first did it, it was like, boy, this is a forced heel turn, you know. But it's better now. And, uh, you know, Daniel's the champ and Raphael's got him as a huge favorite, minus 360. Uh, AJ Styles plus 260. How do you see that one? I think Raphael's right. Yeah. I do, yeah. Dan- Daniel's going to hold Styles was on top for so long, and Brian's really, like, popular. So, yeah, I, I think I think he's correct. Uh, I wonder, I'm going with Raphael. Wonder, he's got a good record, you know. Right. <laughs> well, I wonder who Daniel Bryan's next opponent might be at the next pay-per-view, if that's true. As you look at the list, let's uh, wrap up this segment. Maybe one match that, that 
that you're interested in that's oh, maybe God. not one of the main matches? You're putting me on the spot. <laughs> Can I say none? No, I'm just I'm sorry. I'm just joking, guys. I'm really, I'm just joking. I'm doing the patented Kelsey, like, uh, hating on yes. WWE thing. It's, like, part of my gimmick, uh -huh. so I have to do it, guys. <laughs> no, but seriously, um... Oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I I bet you Natalia versus Ruby Riot will be good because guess what? Ruby Riot was having some great matches when she first you know debuted on the main roster. Natalia, to me, she's the workhorse of the division. She can have a great match with anybody. It's just if they make it silly. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they just let them do, you know, what they can do. What I know they're capable of doing. And I hope they don't cut them on time because that could easily happen too. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh... Well, we know Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander for the Cruiserweight Championship will be great. They've, they've had great matches, and you know Cedric Alexander is phenomenal. Uh, the guitar ladder match will be interesting, Elias versus Bobby Lashley. But yeah. I'll say, the if I'm going to say the next best match after the four we discussed that I, I think will be good, even though it seems like we've had one combination of these throughout, the Triple Threat SmackDown Tag Team Championship, the bar, the New Day, the Usos. It's going to be great match-wise. Yeah, I think it'll be a great match. I'm just kind of tired of seeing the matchup over and over and over and over and over and well, over again. Again, I, I'll say it again. I really wish we just had one tag team belt so that both divisions would be involved in it. it you know, you're really down to like four or five teams on each show. There's it's only so, so much thin. variety yeah. you can do. Um, I think it's kind of important to note Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre might be good because they're great athletes. And the match quality itself might be really, really, really good, unless it's cut for time, which I don't want to get my hopes up too much. <laughs> I mean, th these things always happen where you think the match could be amazing and right. it's just super short or ridiculous finish, et cetera, et cetera. Well, as long as this show is, and there's probably going to be a couple other things thrown in there, a lot there are some notable people that aren't on this pay-per-view. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where what direction they go with some of that and we will talk about it next week but we, we before we move on let's just remind everyone what our saying is if you guys disagree with any opinions we have that's okay if you love wwe if you're super pumped for tlc if you think every match is going to be amazing that's okay um if you agree with this that's okay too of course <laughs> it, let's just remind everyone it's okay to agree to disagree as long as you're being respectful to each other um i'm respectful of all opinions um, tell me why you disagree. Tweet at me at SuperCakingIt. Um, I'd love to hear why. I'd love to hear what you're looking forward to, what you're not looking forward to, etc., etc. We're all respectful here, and uh, that's cool with me. All right. And uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, we're back. And also back is the Pop and Wrestling Connection. Now, uh, before we went on hiatus, we had started doing those as a standalone, and that will happen again sometime after the new year. But with it being Christmas time, we are going to revisit, as Kelsey shows off, uh, the Merry Christmas, You Filthy Animal uh, from Home Alone, of course, a holiday movie. Yeah, I'm wearing my sweatshirt thematic right now <laughs> just because we're talking about Home Alone and wrestling. How does that fit in? Well, we're going to be talking about that next. So stay tuned. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and a happy new year. Much better than how I did it. <laughs> St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, look for St. Arnold Beers. 
throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man, which you can find on webtoons.com. Thanks, Eric. We really love your logo. Welcome back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk, and now it's time for one of my favorite segments, The Pop and Wrestling Connection, and this one's about one of my favorite movies, which would be Home Alone. Now, we've done this Pop and Wrestling Connection a long, long time ago, back where we had, you know, a much smaller audience, so we didn't have as many responses but we kind of want to play our old responses because there were some great old ones, but we have new ones as well. And and we wanted to do this because Christmas is uh, just around a, a the few corner. days away, and so it's very thematic, you know. It's thematic. I'm all You're about all about that. thematic, yes. exactly. So uh, we're going to start by uh, running the original segment, our discussion, and some of those answers. And when we come back from that, we will uh, go through some of the new answers. Yep. I'm so excited about this segment It's one of my favorite movies of all time Not only the first one, but the second one The question is You're Kevin McAllister You know the wet slash sticky bandits Are coming for you at 9pm But you have time to recruit two wrestlers To help protect your house from Marvin Harry Who do you choose and why? Well I think uh, we'll go through some of the viewers Answers first And then uh, we'll get maybe some of uh our thoughts, uh, I've got two uh, kind of random ones. So <laughs> I can't wait to hear yours. <laughs> so let me quote some people from social media now. Darnellius Montgomery said, Tanahashi, because you can imagine him hitting a high-fly flow from the second story on Daniel Stern, <laughs> and also Rey Mysterio Jr., because he is small enough to hide in places <laughs> and pop out at you. That's a great one, and I think that would be one epic high-fly flow. Like, just imagine Marv sitting there, laying on the pavement, Tanahashi coming down, and he goes, Harry! Harry! <laughs> oh, it's so good. Oh, I love that one. Tosh Bryan said, good question. I would pick Ryback for a few reasons. One, he is thick AF, and a meat hook would have Marv laying on his back for sure. Two, he and Kevin would enjoy a lot of cheese pizza chanting, feed me more, (laughs) feed me more, feed me more. That is also an amazing answer, and for sure... I could see this happening, but I think the problem lies in that Ryback, like Buzz in Home Alone 1, would hog the cheese pizza and just really make Kevin quite mad, and I think they wouldn't be able to work together after that. So they they wouldn't have a friendship after that. Uh, Next one from Grant Fletcher, and boy, we've got some good ones too. Boy, I, I just randomly read this question, and of course it's tied into me. Uh, first off, the boogeyman, because he's already there. I love that. The boogeyman, one of my favorites. All, all you'd have to do is eat those worms right in front of those guys, the sticky bandits. Although, they're sticky, so maybe they'd like that. And then Scott Steiner, because he's Paul's fave. Well, I, here's the thing. I don't think Steiner would be effective, because if Harry and Marv just ran from him he wouldn't be able to catch them although if he flexed his arm and talked about all his freaks maybe he would scare it scare off harry and marv well i'm just i think that scott Snyder would actually be great to defend the house with kevin he could like lift kevin up throw him at 
Marv and Harry, and just, I love how mad the whole idea of Steiner makes you, and this is perfect answer, Grant, and I loved Grant's comment about Steiner helping out with the booby traps, he said Steiner's nickname should be the Big Bad Booby Trap Daddy, <laughs> that is actually pretty flippin' clever and creative, I love it, and I guess Steiner will have to help out with those traps, if he wants to be worthy of the nickname. So, another great comment is... Alberto Yamazara said, I would pick the Mean Street Posse because they would try to help Kevin at first before trying to do a double cross on him. But since Kevin McAllister is a genius and they are a bunch of bumbling fools, he would catch on quickly and wind up setting a massive trap on the bandits and the posse, which would be hilarious. I like your movie writing slash booking there. I think that would be perfect. It would. Another good answer comes from Chibs at Chibi Halloween. Sammy Callahan and Braun Strowman. Braun! She wrote it out like that. <laughs> and then I responded with, yeah, Braun is the perfect choice. And a lot of people actually said Braun. And of course, he'd be a great choice. Obviously, Braun is a friend of all children since he and Nicholas got along <laughs> so well together. So I think that would definitely work. But I asked her, I said, man, I'd be scared to let Sammy Callahan in my house. And she goes, I would put Callahan outside the house like a guard dog. <laughs> perfect response. And that would make more sense. Don't let him in your house, guys. You don't know what he's going to do. This next one's probably one of my favorites too josiah from canada at wr underscore central brock lesnar duh who'd rob him and Minoru suzuki murder grandpa for the save actually a lot of people said suzuki and my comeback each time was yeah guys suzuki would work but think about his personality and this is a big part of the question you can't just pick any wrestler ever you got to take their traits and characters into account. Suzuki is so evil. He might actually end up trying to throw bricks at Kevin's head along with the sticky slash wet bandits. Suck brick, kid! But in Japanese. <laughs> so I just don't think that Suzuki would end up helping Kevin. I think he'd wind up trying to beat up Kevin. Maybe. And that would be, you know, I not think, in his nature to I think, help. I think we know Suzuki's a big softie, though. All you gotta do is give him ice cream and he's happy. Yeah, that's what one of our followers <laughs> said. They uh, posted a picture of Suzuki enjoying some nice ice cream. Were, in fact, it was Panda King, <laughs> at Panda King 73 He said, ice cream seems to make Suzuki less evil. And his answer was Brock Lesnar and Suzuki as well. So just to uh, mention that a couple people thought that as well. Other notable answers include The Wrestling Life at TWL underscore podcast. They said, Jushin Liger, hero to all, friend to children. And broken slash woken Matt, well-versed in defending home invasions. Oh my god, it's like the perfect answer. I wish I would have thought of broken Matt because, of course, he's defended his home uh, along with, you know, Vanguard One and his whole family, Senior Benjamin. They're great at protecting their home. So, perfect answer there. Joshua McGee says, probably Tyler Breeze and Fandango because it would make a hilarious situation. I agree, and I like that one too. And then the artist who designed our Two-Face logo... Eric Hodson says, Roman Reigns, the wet bandits would take one look at him and lose interest. They'd walk away saying how boring he was and wouldn't want to invade the home anymore. This is gold. I wish I would have thought of this myself. So many creative answers. Of course, I kind of thought of this myself, but I thought it was too obvious for me to say this answer since you say I'm a young bucks mark. But who did go in that direction was Burke Macklin at Burke Macklin 11. Young Bucks, after they get rid of the Sticky Bandits with several super kicks, hopefully they would ask me to be in the new Be in the Elite video. <laughs> nice 
Nice answer there. Who wouldn't want to be in a BTE episode? And finally, I want to give a shout out to Mr. Bagshaw, Golden Graham, who asked Mason on their podcast, MGB Wrestling Pod. You could find them on Twitter. He asked Mason to answer the question for me, and Mason went with, and this is actually genius. They said other answers, but uh, the one that stuck out to me is if you could choose a dead wrestler, he would choose Andre the Giant. Because who would mess with him? <laughs> That's a great answer. He's pretty big and, and scary, and I just think that who would want to go against him? And uh, Mags and Bags at Deej Kirkby. Uh, big boss man and the Mountie. They're cops. They can arrest Marvin Harry with little resistance. Then Kevin can settle down to finish watching Angels with Filthy Souls with a lovely cheese pizza. He'll enjoy that cheese pizza as the, <laughs> um, the bandits go go away and get locked up. That's a great answer, too. Very entertaining answer. So now I'm going to give you my two. Okay. Even though I'm not a fan of him, he's the king of hijinks in New Japan. Yanu would be one of them. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so glad you picked Yanu. Some other person said Yanu as well. Yes, to be fair. Yes, somebody else did too. But you had the idea first before I read you that answer. Yeah, before you even posed the question out on social media just because he's a goof. And I was trying to think of another goof, but then I went another direction. And uh, this is going to completely come out of left field. I think my other choice would be Sabu. Because he's used to using all sorts of household things as weapons. So Sabu would hurt... Marvin Harry with a variety of weapons because he's been hurting people with a variety of household items for years. That is a great answer, but like Sammy Callahan, I'd be super scared to let Sabu in my house. Get out of my house, Sabu! Get out of my house! No, I'd be a little scared, but it is technically a very sound answer and could most certainly work as protection against the sticky bandits. Alright, so who are you choosing? Oh, This was really hard for me, but I feel like Takahashi, with the help of Daryl, so that counts as one, because he's carrying Daryl. It's still one person. So Daryl could be sitting in front of the dog door in Kevin's house, because in the first home alone, you see Kevin's insanely huge house. You don't even know how that family can afford to live (laughs) there. So Takahashi would place Daryl right in front of the little door. Marv sticks his head through, looks around, and there's Daryl sitting there, confusing Harry, basically. I'm sorry, confusing Marv. You know, what is this stuffed cat doing here? And then, all of a sudden, Daryl flops over, and you see Kevin and Takahashi with their little BB guns. They'll both have one. They start shooting them in the head. Uh, That would be awesome. Also, a staple gun. I think it'd be perfect. And even more so than Daryl being an asset for Takahashi and for Kevin, I feel like Takahashi would be great at helping Kevin draw up the battle plans. As we've seen in the Best of Super Juniors tournament, he's got that great big scrapbook that he's drawn with all of his opponents uh, and just cool stuff, cool writing all in it. I feel like, as we saw in the second Home Alone, Kevin you know, basically unfolds his battle plans, very, very intricate plans laid out, drawn all over the place. Lots of stuff designed there. Takahashi could really help with that. He's obviously got some art skills, so I feel like Takahashi would be a good, good choice for, for that. But really, he's creative. He does high-flying spots, so he's somebody who could jump off of like the second story and land on, on Marv's head. And maybe even help set Harry's head on fire as well. <laughs> so my second choice is kind of similar to yours, actually. I didn't go with Sabu, but I went with Jimmy Havoc, because... No need to rig up a crazy staple gun 
Rube Goldberg machine. Just have Jimmy Havoc walk up to to Marv and staple him right in the head because he does it all the time. Right. So no need to set up these elaborate traps. Havoc would just take all kinds of items and go right to Marvin Harry and do these things one-on-one, which is a huge asset for Kevin. More time for him to sit back and call the bandits, your big horse's ass, <laughs> and do all kinds of funny things. And I just love this question. I don't know how it popped in my brain, like I said earlier. I also have a... A substitute. If one of the other two can't show up. Or an honorable mention. <laughs> Brian Malonis. Because we were talking about big wrestlers. And there's this great scene where Marv gets hit by a tool chest falling down the stairs. And his nose is all, like, squished. And he's like, that was the sound of a tool chest falling down the stairs. <laughs> so instead, it's Brian Malonis flipping, running down the stairs, coming for Harry and Marv. You better watch out. He's a force to be reckoned with. He's the kingpin. And so instead of, you know, Marv going off about the tool chest, he goes, that was the sound of Malonis barreling down the stairs. <laughs> and I think that'd be a great choice. I'd love to see that. <laughs> and then Malonis could just sit on them, do whatever to them, throw Kevin at them, much like the other big choices. But I just think it'd be fun if it was Malonis. Since he's such a nice guy in real life, I think he could work with Kevin and uh, get along good with him. And I'm sure, Malonis, would you enjoy a cheese pizza slice with Kevin? I think you would. Probably. And, you know, we've said a couple quotes throughout this segment because I had to work them in because I love Home Alone so much. Uh, a few more I want to quickly say is I love how formal Kevin is, especially in Home Alone 2, um, where he's basically talking to his family, scolding them, saying, like, if you guys weren't so stupid as to believe his lies, talking about Buzz's lies and <laughs> beat that, you little trout sniffer. I love that one as well. Who wants to have Christmas in a tropical climate anyway? I don't know what 10-year-old... Or even younger kids says that. I don't know. It's very unlikely, but I love the writing and the way that Macaulay Culkin says these lines. It's so great. Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. And finally, my favorite quote, you know, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and a happy new year. And also, Tim Curry, he's got some great lines in Home Alone 2 as well. But thank you guys for your answers. Man, I can't tell you how I enjoyed this. Like, I enjoyed it so much. She did. She did. So, we were kind of, like, nervous, you know, about the response when we put right. out this question again. We've already done it once. Right. And, we and we're just coming around. back. Yeah. yeah. So, we kind of asked the question, and uh, we got over 100 responses yeah. on Twitter. That's insane. That's one of our uh, our best ones. And obviously... We can't read all 100 responses or this will be a three-hour podcast. There's no way. And I really wanted to read even 20, but even that's too much when we played our old segment, which I thought had a lot of stuff worth revisiting. So we just picked out a few. But you can see everybody's responses if you just go to your social media. Yeah, if you go to my Twitter, at SuperKickingIt, now that's with a G, so S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T, go to my profile page and scroll down to you see the Home Alone tweet, and uh, just look at all of the responses. There's some hilarious, great ones. I mean, Amy had some great stuff, Deej Kirkby. Please check out all those responses. And that can start a whole... Yeah, and that can start a whole new side discussion because there's... You can comment on each other's uh, choices and, yeah. and really have some fun with it. So. There were some similar choices, too. Mm -hmm. Actually, a lot of people said the same people, Suzuki, and we'll get into all that. But there was a lot of like hardcore, scary people that they recruited. But we decided to whittle it down to uh, the responses 12. that we, we thought were the best. So 12 of them. We're going to start with at Sean Ross Sapp. 
He says, Coco, beware, because he can control the birds in Central Park. I love that. Oh, my God. It's so perfect to the story. That's Home Alone 2, but it still works. It doesn't matter, yeah. In fact, this is a sequel to the original original pop and wrestling discussion on so this could be about home alone too it could this be is like it could our be. pop and wrestling home alone too and then uh triple h because he knows how to work a shovel even as an old man so like old man marley yeah. in home alone one triple h would be like old man marley that's perfect <laughs> and he'd help kevin get away from the robbers <laughs> at wrestlecom d-a-k if I'm looking for someone to scare them out of the city, then I'm going with Haku and Ken Shamrock. <laughs> if I'm looking for someone to help me with booby traps, then I'm picky, picking Chucky e. T and Toro Yanu. Toro Yanu probably would be up for some hijinks. And lots of people went this direction, including... Uh, it's pro- at It's probably Joe, Minoru Suzuki, just him, maybe <laughs> Toro Yanu for comedic relief. See, another <laughs> you know similar thing there. At Wrestling Otter says, But in all honesty, I like my chances against Harry one-on-one. So if I could only name one, I'm going with Scott Steiner. <laughs> you know, he's going with the percentages, with the numbers. Yes. and 33 and one-fourth chance of beating and, the Sticky Bandits. And Angry Rage, all he's got to do is flex and talk about his freaks. and the Get off my lawn. You sti- just love Scott Steiner. Love, love, love Scott Steiner. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, at the underscore big underscore Shaw Bronze left hand and bronze right hand, so that the sticky bandits get these hands. Get these hands! <laughs> you gotta do it like brawn. No, you are the brawn expert. You're the one that needs to do it. Okay. Then we've got at Deep Fried Whiskey. He says, Big E and Xavier Woods, you get the best of both worlds. They can be physical protectors, but also help with the most elaborate of pranks and defenses, which is to say Marv is definitely still... Getting stuff dropped on his head and smashed in his face. No fists needed. <laughs> so he's still going to have a brick. Suck brick, kid! And then, in turn, actually, Marv is the one who gets, you know, hit with a brick. He sucks. I'm just not sure how much pancakes are going to hurt the sticky bandits. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, I don't think that's going to hurt anybody. But maybe cereal, like, throw it at their eyes or something. Or put them, like, the ornaments where they have to walk over them and, like, they trip and, like fall over the cereal bits. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Next one, this is actually a pair of them, from at Goad Philip, who said, Stan Hansen and Haku, have fun, Marvin Harry, to which at F-D-O-O-S-E-Y responded, Haku would turn it into a horror movie, bandits running for their lives, pieces of their bodies bitten off, blood everywhere. I'll take two tickets, please. <laughs> it sounds like a fun movie, but not exactly family-friendly. <laughs> Then we've got at J. Mel's 1323, Big Boss Man and the Mountie. I know there's potential for friction there, but the Mountie always gets his man, and Big Boss Man will make sure they serve some hard time. Well, plus you, you put those authority figures there, it might scare off the sticky bandits as well. Very appropriate there. I like it. At CP Buff 22, Marty Skrull because he knows how villains think. I like that. And Mick Foley because he could dress as Santa over Christmas and show Kevin how to implement barbed wire and thumbtacks into his traps. I think that's one of the best answers. Besides Sean's, I think this one's yeah. really good, no, too, I like with that. the birds and this one. Yep. Great yep. answers, guys. Then we've got our good friend at Take the Bump Pod. Okay, first got to figure out who fights bad guys. So for me, I'm going with Shane Helms because he's a superhero who fights crime and the big boss man, we've got a repeat there, <laughs> because he's a cop and he can arrest them. Just like in Central Park where Marv and Harry get arrested at the very end of Home Alone 2 and, and Marv is screaming, Ah! Ah! 
because he's getting attacked by birds. So Big Boss Man would be the arresting cop there. <laughs> uh, at Chibi Halloween says uh, Johnny Impact because of his agility and parkour background. So he can run in and around the house without problems. And Brian Cage, because he's a powerhouse as a guardian, can never hurt. And he's very fast if he wants to be. Then finally we've got at Be Better Gamer, Toro Yanu again, <laughs> and Cole Cabana. Both for their excellent comedic skills, especially physical comedy. Yanu probably would lay better traps than Kevin, and Colt would know how to throw those not quite PG, but just barely makes it in the movie one-liners. <laughs> Perfect for the movie. I love it. So some good stuff there. And again, we would have loved to have gone through everybody's, but uh, again, it's all on Kelsey's social media, so keep the conversation going and... Uh, Maybe it'll continue all the way to next Christmas. <laughs> yeah, because next Christmas, I think I'm going to ask people who, which wrestlers would be cast as Marvin Harry. Well, you know, maybe I, I was actually going to suggest that. So yeah, let's yeah. let's uh, next Christmas make, make a date for a year from now that we're going to recast the Sticky Bandits. Yeah, that would be so much fun. <laughs> well, that's going to uh, about wrap things up. And again, we will uh, start doing standalone pop and wrestling sometime after the new year as we get back into it and, and football's winding down and everything like that. Uh, As Two-Faced will be coming back in the not-too-distant future. We've got something special next week, a Christmas song that you created. It was my first YouTube video about wrestling on my wrestling YouTube channel, Super Kicking It with Kelsey. And um, it's all about Broken Matt. It's about the Young Bucks, and it's about AJ Styles. It's uh, kind of like a fast-forwarded video of me decorating my wrestling Christmas tree, and uh, it's a spoof of Let It Snow, but wrestling. Yes, it's very good. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. You'll be able to see it on the YouTube channel. We'll play it here on the podcast next week as we get ready for Christmas, and we look back at TLC and Final Battle. We're going to have so much to talk about about Final Battle. I'm so excited. I can't wait to watch the show. I think... I mean, I'm really looking forward to that show. That's my show of the weekend, i got to say. Yeah. What about you? What's no. your show between... Oh, yeah, there's the no doubt Final Battle is probably going to be the better of the two shows. But I am really looking forward, if Dean Ambrose brings it, seeing Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. They've I, had great matches in and, the past, like we said. And, I think it's going to be great. And the triple threat, table, liars, and chairs, the women's match, I think is going to be phenomenal as well. Asuka is going to bring some... Great stuff to that, and uh, she's hardcore. She fought Suzuki, yeah, exactly. Like, and he really let loose on her. So I know she's not afraid of like weapons and stuff because she faced the ultimate weapon, right? Which was just Suzuki. Yeah, I'm <laughs> saying he's a weapon yeah. in, its, in itself. If she's not afraid of Suzuki, she's not afraid of anything. So. Exactly. <laughs> but that's all uh, coming up. Let's uh, talk about something else that's coming up as we uh, close out the show and send them home. What do you got, Kels? Well, I just want to also preview for, you know, in the next few weeks, one of our shows, what we're going to do is on Twitter, we're going to ask everybody what was their favorite matches from each different promotion. So New Japan, Ring of Honor, WWE, NXT, and Impact. We're going to say, what's your favorite matches? And we're going to read some of the responses. So this isn't a poll. It'll just be like a, a question. And we're going to look through all the responses. We're hoping it's as popular as the Home Alone question, right. that we have that many answers to look through uh be as you know detailed as possible because i want to know why you chose the matches you chose for each promotion right so each of those five promotions and obviously those are the only five we chose if you want to add something from rev pro or lucha PWG. underground pwg you can 
You can you put, can do that too. You can make an honorable mention, and and we'll add those as well because obviously PWG we, is we've always seen great. Some great PWG oh, matches. Man. That's some, like my favorite stuff. Um, we've seen great matches in Rev Pro. We saw great matches at like WrestleCon this year. So oh, we did. Yeah, I mean the Super Show was yeah. incredible. So. Looking forward to that, Kels. I think that's going to be really good. Yeah, I'm excited. Please, please participate. Uh, just keep you know up with our social media, Two Face Pod, and at Super Kicking It for my Twitter as well. And I'm going to uh, just kind of revisit something I touched on when we were going through WWE, and I was going to kind of save it for closing out the show, but I got ahead of myself. So the Seth Rollins promo at the beginning of Raw, and I wanted to tie it and his reality talk about wasting talent and he he mentioned that how the revivals being wasted in lucha house party matches how talent's not being used and how the ratings are down and all that is was great it, i also saw a tweet i i wish i had screen captured it so i could remember who said it but it's the absolute truth on wwe smackdown is not big enough or long enough for all the rivalries they have and all the talent that they are trying to use, whereas, whereas Raw. Raw is too long for the amount of rivalries that they don't have. Right. Because, man, you watch Raw and there's just not, no there's no storylines being developed. Meanwhile, you know, you see what Randy Orton's doing with Rey Mysterio. You see what Samoa Joe now has done in the last couple of weeks with Jeff Hardy, which has been fantastic. Samoa yeah. Joe at a bar. Samoa Joe telling Jeff Hardy. Yeah. You know, look. We all know Samoa Joe is one of my top five people yeah. in wrestling, period. Well, but, and rightfully so. But I think we've always said Raw is too long. I think the other reason that SmackDown works is two hours is short enough that it leaves you wanting more. As opposed to Raw sometimes feels like a chore to get through. And that's why the ratings are down. Yes, ratings are down and everything. But it's just it's too much of nothing. I think... Hopefully in 2019, there will be a title shift in the shows to try and make it more exciting because yeah. there are a lot of underused and non-used personnel on, on both shows, but especially on Raw. And uh, quickly, to kind of close out the entire show, I kind of want to touch on something you said. You said the revival is being wasted. That was part of the promo. Right. Funny. So the Revival and the Bucks have had tweets going back and forth saying that, that one day, remember this tweet, they will face each other. They both said it. The Revival and Matt, Matt Jackson, they both said that. So what does that mean? Are they teasing something? Are they just like, you know, kind of Having messing fun? around? Yeah. You know? Well, look, we'll they had the see. whole Twitter rivalry as it was. So, But now it's going deeper and they're actually calling right. each other out, saying they're, go they're going to face each other. So I love how that's adding to the speculation of everything we talked about. So we're coming full circle here to wrap up the show. We opened up with the Bucks and talking about all elite wrestling and what is this, you know, going to mean for everything. And now we're talking about the Revival. Are they going to be in All Elite Wrestling? Is this all just a swerve and the Bucks are thinking about WWE? Is it all just a big game? We don't know, but it's so fun to think about. It is funny you said that, and I, I was thinking that the Young Bucks are so smart, this could all be an elaborate ruse. I know. There could be nothing going on. Cody could have just been sitting in the Jaguars game in a box because he wanted to go to a Jaguars game. And with they Randy. could just re-sign with Ring of Honor. Right. We don't even know. Yeah. That's like the beauty of it all. Yeah, that, that is, look... The Young Bucks are, are the kings of promotion, and so... And the kings of social media. Yeah, so... And manipulation, they could be kind of. They could be using everybody 
and getting ready to pull the wool over everybody's head faces. It's just so mm. cool how many possibilities <laughs> there are, and that's what's great about wrestling. So we hope you guys like liked and enjoyed hearing us talk about wrestling because obviously we're having a lot of fun getting back into everything. Hope you're having fun getting back into listening to us. Thanks so much for your time. It always means a lot to us. And Thanks for joining us. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's the finish. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.